If you guys have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Romans chapter 8. That should come to no surprise to you as this has been our passage and will continue to be our passage. Now, what I'm excited about for this morning is that we're going to be transitioning. Uh, for the session so far, we have hit this topic of adoption time and time again. You've heard from me the first night in regards to just how to become adopted. Uh, you've heard from Pastor Jack. You've heard from Tate. Uh, and, and, and whether it is what we talked about last night, the two witnesses, our spirit and his spirit. And so we are going to put the question of us being an adopted child of God to the side for the next two sessions. Now, that's not to say, you know, if you are not a child of God just yet, that you can't become one, okay? That, that boat does not sail away until you breathe your last breath, but we would encourage you, do not go home from camp until you make that decision. But for the sake of, I would, I'm going to go and, and ahead and assume the majority of us uh, who have made that decision, and we're going to now talk about the aspects and benefits of, okay, the, the now what, right? I'm a child of God, but now it's Monday, so like, what do we do? And so we're going to talk about what comes next in our lives. That's what we're talking about this morning. And then tonight, we're going to talk about the future aspects of us being a child of God regarding our inheritance, what is coming our way because we are children of God when we die. And so tonight will be a great topic, but this morning, we're looking at a message entitled, Led by the Spirit. And we're going to be focusing in this morning uh, specifically on verse 14. Uh, we've really hit verse 15 and 16. And tonight we're going to hit verse 17 because it talks about us being an heir. talks about inheritance. But what does it mean to be led by the Spirit of God? I want to ask you a question. What are some identifying aspects of being able to tell someone is a person's child, okay? Now, the first thing that might come to mind is, oh, well, if they look like them, but we all know that ain't true. If you've ever seen my parents, you know that I do not look like them. Uh, it's, just, it's just how it is. My parents, my siblings, I remember when I was younger, used to joke with me that I was, a, 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 that I was adopted, uh, which is obviously what we've talked about, an awesome thing, but I wasn't adopted. But, uh, you know, when you're a kid, your siblings mess, mess with you. And so we think about maybe, you know, one of the aspects identifying marks. Oh, well, you know, a child typically looks like their parents, but that's not true. And especially, obviously, in the case of adoption. But what are some other things? How could you tell if someone is someone else's child? Okay, yeah. So, so how they talk. Maybe if there's similar mannerisms or the way that they carry themselves. Have you ever met someone? You're like, oh my gosh, you're speaking, but you sound like your dad. Like, this is crazy. You guys know what I'm talking about? Okay, what else? Yeah. Okay, yeah, so like by, by what the child would then call the parent, right? It's like, okay, they're calling them mom. That's probably their mom, right? Okay, very good. Yeah. Last names, okay, so there's maybe a connection there. What else? What was it? Blood, okay, you could do maybe some, some DNA tests. All right. What about the fact, what about just the fact of togetherness? Like, Oh, they, they, they live together. Like there's some, maybe the, the act of togetherness. What else? Some of you guys had your hands raised. Ethan? 
Okay, yeah, so maybe they were, they were named after their father. Okay, so maybe a junior, yeah. Okay, so yeah, they might act like their parents maybe in, in what they do. No, this is all good stuff. Do you guys ever people watch? I love just watching people. One of my favorite things, uh, you know, airports are a great place to people watch. Disneyland, even a better place to people watch. And you just sit and you just watch, right? And, and usually you can tell. Like there's certain things you're like, okay, that, that seems, do you ever like come up with scenarios or situations? You kind of look at them, you're like, okay, what's going on here, right? What, what, who, how are they related? And sometimes there's those certain identifying marks that can then tell you, yep, that is the connection. Well, the scriptures tell us, and specifically verse 14 that our identifying mark, as we've been talking about, right? We've been talking about the seal. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit. But even more specifically, look at verse 14 in your Bibles. It tells us that it is those who don't just have the Spirit of God. That is inward. We've been talking about that, dwelling in. But what we're transitioning to now this morning is, is what is the outward evidence, right? We talked about the two witnesses last night, our spirit, the Holy Spirit, and I believe there's a third witness, and those are those people who see our lives, that we are then led outwardly by the Holy Spirit, that there's something, is there something in your life that people can see they are led by the Spirit of God? That's how you're able to mark someone yourselves, because can I see the Holy Spirit in you? I cannot. The only way I can see the Holy Spirit in you is as he works out through you. And so that is what we're talking about today. Now, little side note. Okay, notice on the, on the screen, we're jumping back to verse 9, which we haven't even addressed. Our passage is 14 through 17 for the week. Uh, but context is always an important thing. Whenever you read the Bible, if you want to be safe uh, within your interpretation or meaning of it, never take it out of context. Read the verses before and after. Uh, one of the best examples of this is, did you know that someone could say, someone could legitimately say that the Bible says there is no God? Did you know that? The Bible says there is no God. Yeah. You want me to show you the verse? Put it up on the screen. Psalm 14, verse 1. It says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Now, does the context of that help? Oh my gosh, it helps. It changes everything. And so anyone could take any single verse or part of verse and tell you this is what the Bible says. Never believe them. Look for yourselves. Open it up. See what the context is because there might be something very crucial to help with the understanding. And so because of that, we're going to look at the verses preceding verse 14. Sound good? Well, you guys can follow along with me as I read Romans 8 verses 9 through 14 and we'll pray for God's anointing. But you are not in the flesh, verse 9, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of God, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit, who dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, 
you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Let's pray. God, we ask that you would bless our time together as we look to your word. God, we ask that you would prepare us and put within us the ability to go back down this mountain different than when we came up. Lord, we know it is going to be your spirit who sustains us. It is going to be your spirit who changes us. And it is going to be your spirit who empowers us to live every day for you. We don't want to just claim sonship or daughtership. Lord, we want to live it. And so, God, we pray that you be, bring clarity in this time of how to do that. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. So we're not going to take a ton of time, but that context is important for us to understand what verse 14 says. So look in your Bibles, and I'm just going to take a little bit of notes for you, okay? And so just look at verse 9 first, okay? Here's some noteworthy things. Paul makes this clear statement. Look at verse 9, that if you do not have the Spirit of Christ dwelling in you, then you are not his. That's what Tate talked about last night. If you don't have the Spirit, you're not his. That's the ceiling. Then in verse 10, additional to that, the Holy Spirit is not only this guarantee of our salvation, but he's actually the one who enables us to live with him. Do you see that in verse 10? If Christ is in you, then the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life. Because of righteousness, it is a spirit who will then help you live it. And probably the most incredible part of this kind of preceding section is verse 11. Look there in your Bibles, and I want you to see it. It's important. Verse 11, check this out. Paul says that the same Holy Spirit who rose Jesus from the grave, that's pretty powerful, is the same Holy Spirit, nothing different that is dwelling in you, which tells us that if God can do that in the life of Jesus, raise him from the dead, then when we die, will God have the power to do that? Yes. The whole idea of this preceding section is talking about the Spirit's ability in us. And then we get to verse 12, which is the therefore. And you guys know whenever the Bible says, Therefore, you got to ask, well, what is it there for? Right? What, what, what is being talked about here? There's a connection. And so look in verse 12. He says, therefore, we are debtors. And that word, therefore, is the transition. He says, because the Spirit's in you, therefore, you are a debtor. Now, what is a debtor? You can note it down. A debtor is someone who has an obligation, an obligation. Now, it could be a good or negative thing to have an obligation to someone. A bad obligation would be if you had the debt of having to wash someone's car for them every single week for the next 10 years. That would be a very difficult debt to fulfill, right? But there are also good obligations. Obligation has a positive side to it as well. For example, I am now obligated to love my wife because of the vows I committed to her. But that is not a burden to me. I chose to do that, and it is actually a joy. I love that I have that obligation. I bear it with pride. Or maybe for you. Maybe if someone today during free time bought you a Choco Taco from the snack bar. Do you guys know what Choco Taco is? 
Raise your hand if you've ever had a Choco Taco. Raise your hand if you've never had one. You need to buy one today. It will change your life forever. Tacos are so good, and then someone made a chocolate one? I'm, I'm down for that. Imagine if someone, out of the graciousness of their heart, bought you that taco. There would now be some obligation for you to eat it. But, oh, what, what? if I have to eat the Choco Taco, I guess I will. No, it is a joy to fulfill that. And in a similar way, Paul clarifies that you and I are not debtors to the flesh. We are not obligated to live any longer to sin because we have been freed from that. We are no longer slaves. So then what are we in debt to? To live by the Spirit. To be led by the Spirit. But this is a great thing. This is a fantastic debt. This is a fantastic obligation for us to fulfill. And because of verse 13, look in your Bibles, this tells us that by living by the Spirit, we are then going to be able, have the ability to put to death those things in our life that shouldn't be there, the evil deeds of the flesh. You know those things that you want to stop doing, yet you keep doing? You know those sins that God convicts you of, but then you just keep going? I believe God's been speaking to many of you about certain things in your life that, that, that he would like to see change. In our cabin time last night, just some of the, the, the boys were sharing that there just felt to be something different about this camp. That they knew that they wanted to go home be different. They, they knew that Though they've been to other camps, there's something about that what God was stirring in their heart that, that they wanted to go home a different person than they came up. How does that happen? It is only by being led by the Spirit of God. Something different. Now, it's not only the, the leading of the Spirit. It's not only just to stop doing sin, but it's also then to live that life for him. This is the key. And so it's at that that brings us to verse 14. You can either look in your Bibles or look on the screen. For as many as are led, everyone say led, by the Spirit of God, these are the sons and the daughters, the children of God. This is how other people see the evidence. And you don't do it for other people to see the evidence, you do it because you're a child of God, and so there's this supernatural, natural thing that is happening out of you. But what does this look like, and what does this mean? Well, you can note down, the word led, it means to be directed, to willingly undergo an action or course of actions based on the influence of another, to be led. Now, to be led is very different than being forced or made. When it says that they are led by the Spirit of God, there is a note of choice. God leads us. He doesn't drag us. God will never make you do anything. It'll be your choice. He will give the invitation. He will lay out the plan before you. God will always do his job, but he will never do yours. You guys hear me? God will always, he will always fulfill his side of, of leading and speaking and helping, but God will never force himself upon you. You know, we all know the difference. When we're made to do something, our attitude 
towards it is often very different than if we are given the choice. It could be something we actually want to do, but if we don't have a choice, then we're so stubborn in our hearts that we just don't want to do it anyway, right? Like we've been uh, in, encouraging, um, more than encouraging, we should, uh, yeah, we even have it in the, the Ten Commandments of drinking water, right? And some of you in your rebellious spirit, just when we say, hey, you guys got to drink water, I know you. There's just that, well, I'm not going to drink water. I want to drink Pepsi. That's that sin nature in us, right? And we try to lead, but the Holy Spirit will never force you. Me? I'm going to force you to drink water while you're here, for sure. I'm going to seek to lead you and try to tell you the reasons, and that's for your own love and benefit. But listen, the Holy Spirit's never going to make you do anything, but he's always going to give you the opportunity. You know, I remember the difference of this being led or forced. It's very different. Uh, Back when I used to play sports, whether it was basketball or uh, baseball growing up, I remember the best coaches were the ones that were able to lead you in a way that you wanted to follow. Versus the ones, the coaches that were so harsh that it just made you want to quit. Remember the difference. When I played football in high school, there was was, uh, definitely some of that. Now, there were then other coaches, and you needed that balance, and sometimes that's good for you. But the coaches that can come alongside and lead you, and there's still the firmness at times. There's still the strength, but there's the leading. You see, God leads in a way that puts out the path before you, but then you have to walk that path. He will lay it out, but you got to put feet to your faith. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. We're literally created for this purpose, which God prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. Check this out. You guys are going to be going home tomorrow. It is both sad and excited to sleep in your own bed. So can I get an amen, okay? Then life is no longer like camp. However, from the moment that your parents pick you up here, and even, I mean, even here at camp, he has plans before, uh, laid out before you, but he has a path. Now it's your choice to, first of all, ask what that path is, and then choose to follow in that path but it is there it's there will be on there on saturday and then sunday and then monday and every day for your life now in the same vein how we are debtors there's kind of this this like there's this choice though there is an obligation but even then it's it's not forced but it's compelled it's it's constrained let me let me give you this verse second corinthians 5 verse 14 and 15 It's going to always be a choice, but it is hard to outrun the love of God. Paul would say it like this, for the love of Christ compels us. Everyone say compels us. It means to to draw, to, to, to bring close that God's love is so great that the more that you recognize and realize that, that the more you'll want to live for him. He says, because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died, and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. The greatest motivator is the love of Christ. And we experience his love by being his children, and that then should cause us to live for him. Like when you go home, 
The compelling thing isn't because your leader said to do it, a pastor said to do it. No, it is the love of God that is going to is going to propel you into a life of following him. We see this in Jesus's life. You can note down Luke chapter four, verse one. Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit. He is our example in this way. Luke 4, 1 says, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. This was right after Jesus was baptized by John. Jesus was in the right place with the right people doing the right things. And it was in that moment that the Holy Spirit came upon him and he allowed himself to be led by the Spirit But notice, where did the Spirit lead him to? Come on, where did the Spirit lead him to? The wilderness. His leading isn't always the easiest path, but it is always the best. You guys remember what happened in that wilderness with Jesus? He he encountered Satan himself. He didn't eat for 40 days. He encountered temptation. But that is where the Spirit led him. But the Spirit was faithful then to give him strength to endure through that. It's a model for you and I. And so you are either led by the Spirit, you got two choices, or you are led by your desires. We see the same word, the same word that's used in Romans 8, 14, led, is also used in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 6. And it says this there, for of this sort are those who creep into households, And make captives of gullible women, loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts. When you go home, you will either be, there's only two choices. You will be led by your own desires. That's what you will follow. That's what you will go after. Or you will ask God, where are you leading? You tell me that you have a path prepared for me. Where is it? Because I do not want to go to the left, and I do not want to go to the right of it. Where is that path? God, help me stay in the center of your will. And so where do we start if we want to be led by the Spirit of God as a child of God? Well, Pastor Jack shared an awesome passage with you guys. Do you guys remember the passage that Lincoln stood up and read? It's Luke chapter 11, verses 11 through 13. The starting point to be led by the Spirit of God is you got to ask. You have not because you ask not. Ask him. Have you ever asked for the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life? Luke chapter 11, we're going to read it again. And notice on the screen. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? This passage always reminds me of my dad. Uh, My dad is very sarcastic. uh, And I remember just growing up, whenever we'd ask him for something, he'd always have just a funny answer. Uh, And so if we asked him like, uh, you know, hey, dad, we're hungry. Uh, Jokingly, he would always always say, oh, well, I think I saw some dirt and worms outside. Like we could go in. I think I saw a snail on, on one of the paths. Uh, And so it always reminds me of that. But then, obviously, my dad would then fix me something to eat. He says, if you then, 
being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? We got to get good and get used to asking the Holy Spirit for help. Lord, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit today? Father, would you help me by the leading of your spirit this day? Help me to walk in your spirit today. Father God, lead me in your ways. There is no like, it, like certain phrase that unlocks the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Just call upon the Lord and he will be there. You don't even have to say like, you don't have to you know, have the right, what if the right terms? What if, I, what if I just say the spirit? Do I have to say the Holy Spirit? Ask God for help and he will be there. And he will help you so many times a day. This is not a one-time thing. I'd encourage you guys, which you've heard me tell you this before, before your feet hit the floor in the morning, ask him for help. Say, help me, Lord, lead me by your Holy Spirit. And then when you get out of bed and before you even get to brushing your teeth, say, God, lead me by your Holy Spirit. This should be a continual and a constant prayer. And then as you go to bed at night, it's the same thing. You reflect, you say, God, tomorrow I want to be led by your spirit. And I'm telling you guys, if you can begin to learn to rely on the Lord in that way consistently and constantly, you will, your life will be transformed and you won't even recognize yourself in the best possible way. You will be led by the Lord. John chapter 14, verses 16 through 18. Listen, the Holy Spirit is literally described as our helper. We have this access in heaven. Whatever it is that you go home and you're going to face, family issues, friend issues, whatever it might be, whatever's going on in your heart, you are not leaving alone if you're a child of God. But he's not in there, in you, just to be in you. He's there to make his way out through you. John 14 says, and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be able to abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. Everyone look at me. You know him. You've been hearing about him. And for many of you, he dwells with you and will be in you. He says, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Notice the connection between the Holy Spirit and Jesus not leaving the disciples. You're not doing it alone. He's with you. It's his power to save you, and it's his power to keep you. You know, sometimes we can really understand, like, yeah, I knew I didn't, earn, I didn't do anything to earn my salvation. But then for some reason, we then transition into thinking, but I really got to, like, work to now, I got to live for the Lord. No, you got to rely on the Holy Spirit to help you live for the Lord. You were saved, not because of you, and you are not gonna be able to do this because of you. And the more you can get good at this, the closer to Jesus you will be. Okay, so step number one, ask him. You guys got it? Step number two uh, is then how do, you, how do you know the leading of the Lord? Because let's say you ask him, but then sometimes it's like, okay, but like, what do I do now? How do you know when the Holy Spirit is leading you? I want you to note this down, John 10, 27. It's a very simple verse that Jesus says. 
He says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Jesus is using that illustration of sheep and a shepherd to describe that relationship, right? My sheep, those are his children, his people. He says, they hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I want you to really look at this verse. Look on the screen. Now, we no longer have the physical voice of Jesus like the disciples did. One day, I'm so, I don't know why this is what I'm so excited for. I can't wait to hear his voice. What does it sound like? Have you ever thought about that? What does Jesus' voice sound like? One day we're going to hear the, the pitch of it, the tone of it. Is, it. is it deep? Is it lighter? Is it somewhere in the middle? I don't know. But we don't have that benefit that the disciples do. However, according to Jesus himself, we actually have an advantage over the disciples when they were with Jesus. Did you know that? Jesus says, it is to your advantage that I leave so that I can send the Spirit because you are going to be able to be closely, closer connected with the Holy Spirit than with me physically. You know, sometimes we get jealous for the disciples, right? They were with him. They saw him. They touched him. They heard him. They lived with him. We have something that they didn't when they were physically with Jesus. Later they got it. That is him living in us. It's the spirit of Christ. With the physical body of Jesus during those years, they could only get so close. But we have a more intimate, a more personal, or a more deep uh, connection and ability for him to help us. But then do we still have the words of Jesus? Though we don't hear his physical voice, I'm going to ask you today, do we have Jesus's words to us? What is it? Hold him up. What is his word? Jesus is described as the word of God. And so, listen, as much as I sometimes would just like to hear his voice, we have his words. And it is sufficient for us. Listen, God speaks to us through what he has already spoken, which is the word of God. You will know the leading of the Holy Spirit more and more as you know the word of God. And then as you hear his voice and leading, it'll become clearer and clearer. You guys ever use a radio? <laughs> Some of you might not even know what a radio is. Hopefully you do. Maybe your parents just connect to, to Bluetooth. Okay, have you ever turned a radio knob before okay and you know how you're 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 going through and you're trying to find like a station that's halfway decent right and you're going through and then you stop on like mariachi music and you're like oh no no and then you and then you go on another one and you 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 hear you're like oh i like this song but then like you still hear that mariachi music coming through every now and then right and so then you go to the next station and you're you're tuning through in a similar way Every time you and I read the word of God and hear the word of God, it's like, in a sense, that radio, it, that, that little tuner, is, it's, being, it's becoming clearer and clearer. The mariachi music's beginning to fade. That scratchy is beginning to fade. 
and you begin to hear him clearer and clearer. You want to know God's leading in your life? Then you better start reading the Bible. You will, listen, you will hear his voice in no other way. And it is, some, it is the coolest thing that happens. It is awesome. Because I, I can just think back to, to when I was around your age and I started walking with the Lord and hearing from God was a foreign concept. What does that even mean? You hear his voice? I, I knew that wasn't right. What does that look like? And then I just started pouring myself into the scripture and, and actually doing what I had been told my whole life. Read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible. Hey, you should read your Bible. Oh my gosh. And that's why we've been teaching you guys on these morning of devotions, right? We want to get you into this habit that as you go home, right? So anyone know what chapter you're going to read tomorrow? All right, 1 John chapter 4. What chapter do you think we want you to read on Saturday? And then we want you to keep on reading the word because we want you to experience his leading and you will not experience, you won't know his voice. It'll be foreign to you. It won't be something you recognize because as we read God's word, we get to know him. We get to know what he's like. You know, that's how a relationship is. The more you get to know someone, the more you just know them. I know if I'm making food, I'm not putting hot sauce on my wife's food. It's not going to happen. She doesn't like spicy. Okay? I know as you get to know people, you begin to know them. And so you know what they like and don't like. And the more you get to know God through his word, it starts to, you're like, oh, the path is, it begins to be clear. You know, sometimes it's like, man, what, what, do I, what direction do I go? And then you, you get to know him more and more, and you're like, oh, yeah, this, knowing my God from his word, this is where he wants me to go. It's an awesome thing. We're going to close in a passage in Galatians chapter 5. And you guys can leave Romans 8. You're going to go a little bit to your right. If you, if you guys have your Bibles, which you hopefully do. Galatians chapter 5. We're going to try to paint this picture a little bit more before we, we end our time. So if you're in Romans, if you go to the right, you're going to hit 1 Corinthians and then 2 Corinthians, and then you'll come up on the book of Galatians. All right? If you are in the maps, you went way too far, turn back now. Okay? Galatians chapter 5. When you're there, say word. All right. Listen, this passage is probably the most in-depth passage on what it practically looks like to be led by the Holy Spirit. Okay? It's a long one, and so I want you to just, just uh, pay, pay attention as we read it. Start with me in verse 16. We're going to read down in verse 26, maybe pausing here and there, okay? Look at verse 16. He says, I say then, walk in the Spirit. Very synonymous terms as being led by the Spirit, okay? Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts, wars against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. They don't go together. So that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led, everyone say led, by the Spirit of God, you are not under law. You see, your relationship with God is not about a bunch of rules or commandments. That's Old Testament stuff. 
Now, are there commandments? Yes. But if you are led by the Spirit, you don't have, if you begin to get to know the heart of God, then you don't, you don't have to worry about that because you know him, you know what he wants, and you walk in it. And then verse 19, look, look there. Now, the works of the flesh, sin, are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, jealousies. Oh, wait, I went back. Heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those are characteristics and actions that are not evident of the child of God. But in contrast, look at verse 22. You guys still with me? But the fruit, the product of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. That's the sin stuff. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. The fruit of the Spirit. Look at that list again, verse 22. That's what we need. And notice it is the fruit of the Spirit. It is not the work of the Spirit. It's, it's the fruit. Now, now why, why is that a big deal? It is not something that can be manufactured. Meaning, listen, as you go back down the mountain, you do not need to focus on being more loving. You're like, what? You do not need to experience or, or focus on trying to be more joyful or having peace or trying to be more patient. I'm just going to try. When I get home, I'm going to be good. Just, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna just going to be good. I'm going to try to have self-control. You will fail before you get home on Friday. However, if you can ask the Lord to be led by his spirit and begin to get to know him in his word, and when that path is made clear before you, which if you do those two things, I believe it will be, and you begin to just walk in what God has asked you to do, obey him, then this stuff will be produced in your life. You won't have to manufacture it. You won't have to, to try to make this work. It'll be God in you and God through you. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we come before you and Lord, we just want to ask that right now. We want to ask for that power of the Holy Spirit in our life. Lord, that the flesh and all of its desires and passions, and, and we all feel that pull, that pull to do things that are wrong, that pull to do things that are unrighteous and not pleasing before you. God, we pray that right here and now, those things would be crushed in our life, conquered, that we would have victory over them as we seek to obey you. And not only that, not only just the, the sin stuff, but well, we want to be used by you. You tell us that we're to be the light of the world. Lord, if we're so focused on darkness, how are we going to be the light? And so, Lord, that in and through us, that you would produce the fruit of the Spirit. That we might begin to look like your children. That the Spirit that is in us 
would begin to come out through us. That the witness would not just be of our own spirit. It would not just be of your spirit. But other people would be able to evidently see that is a child of God. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Let's worship.